Hey, Russ, can you hear me? Hello, Mike. Mike, check one, two. Okay, I'm up. Hey, Russ, can you hear me okay? I'm sorry. Uh, my volume's off. Now, now I'll try again. Mike, check one, two. Can you hear me okay? Gotcha. Yeah, it turns out that if you have the volume turned all the way down, you can't hear. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that might do it. Um, <laughs> awesome. Well... I'm excited to have you on the pod, and then um, I'll give a brief intro, and then we'll be all set. Sounds good. Awesome, awesome. Welcome in to another edition of Divorce Force Podcast. My name is Adam, and from East Coast to West Coast, unfortunately, I still haven't never been to the West Coast. I'm excited to introduce this next guest. He currently does military community outreach for the San Diego Loyal Soccer Club. Russ Thompson, how are you doing today, Russ? I am actually doing very well, thank you. Um, and yeah, I I was once like you myself. I grew up on the East Coast and <laughs> uh, hadn't come out here. And then once I came, I was I was sold. We stayed. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I have a couple. Um, I have a fam. I have some family members. Uh, who are scattered on the West Coast. One's in Arizona, one is in Seattle, and then I have a uh, know a buddy of mine who works at Yelp uh, on the West Coast. And man, you know, I gotta I gotta visit out there sometime. <laughs> well, I'll tell you that the uh, the Navy sent uh, me and my family out here, and we actually came kicking and screaming. We were uh, pretty much entrenched on the East Coast. That's where all our family was, and. Uh, we fought it, and finally the Navy said uh, they're called orders for a reason, and we came out here, and after pouting for about a month, we suddenly kind of woke up one morning, looked around, and said, you know, it's uh, it's kind of nice out here, and that was 17 years ago, and we're still here. <laughs> hey, 17, 17 is, is a good number. I was uh, I was actually born, uh, it'll be next month, uh, September 17th will be my birthday. Oh, well, happy <laughs> birthday next month. Yeah, man, uh, appreciate it. So. I'm excited to have you on the pod. Uh, talk about your role currently uh, with the San Diego Laurel and how, obviously, with the military background and, and you know, you're able to contribute on, you know, with the San Diego Laurel. Okay, so um, as you talked about, or as you uh, said in your introduction, I do military community outreach for San Diego Loyal. Uh, San Diego Loyal is a new USL soccer team out here in uh, the franchise was awarded uh, last June. Um, yeah, we're, we're pretty new. Uh, so last summer uh, when they were, when the franchise was awarded, uh, they had a website up that was really quick. And um, there was a part on it where you could click and say that you would be interested, uh, you're expressing interest in the team. So after I did that, I got a call from uh, the, the team uh, asking if I'd be interested in buying season tickets at some point, which I, I was, <laughs> but I, uh, yes. <laughs> but then I um, got an email address from them to uh, write in and um, if I had any questions. And uh, I turns out that I, um, yeah, I wrote them an email uh, talking about the military demographic here in San Diego and uh, what a large percentage of the, the population it was here. <laughs> And then various um, ideas I had that maybe they could try to reach that demographic. And uh, within a half an hour, I got a return email, and they asked me to set up a um, uh, yeah some phone calls. And we talked over the phone, and then we met in person a couple times. And 
then they finally said, hey, uh, we'd like you to come work for us and you know, set up a um, military community li- or a, a military outreach program. So that's that's how I got here. That That's awesome. And talk about the importance of the military. Um, obviously, there's a heavy presence in San Diego, but talk about that on the club side and why that's so important, not just, you know, for a team, but in sports in general and how important it is for sports to be that connection for for military. Well, first I'll talk about San Diego. Um, (laughs) San Diego has uh, it's a population is just a little over three million. Um, There's uh, an organization here that does an an economic impact study every year uh, that talks about how uh, the you know, how much of uh, impact the military has on San Diego's uh, economy. And so uh, when you look at the number of active duty uh, people, which is about 110,000, and the number of uh, family members, which is about 110,000, and the number of reservists, which is about 7,000, and then the number of veterans and retirees in the area, which is about 240,000. Wow. Uh, all of a sudden, yes, uh, all of a sudden you come up with a number of uh, close to half a million people in the San Diego area have some kind of tie to the military, and when you look, when you compare that to the population of three million, um, that that's a pretty big portion of the um, yeah the local uh, population. So it's obviously very important in a city like San Diego to make sure that you reach out to the military uh, also because they make up such a huge part of the uh, of the economy. Um, when you look at the uh, most of the people in the military, whether they're actually in or they're retired mm-hmm. or even you know, veterans, uh, they tend to have uh, higher incomes than um, the population in general. So it's definitely a, um, a demographic that you want to reach out to and and let them know that you're here. Um, so you asked about the uh, interaction between sports and the military in general. Um, I can tell you from doing multiple deployments that <laughs> sports ties you to home. Um, yeah, when I was uh, on the various deployments I went on, uh, I can tell you that sports was something that uh, could make you forget you were away from your loved ones for a while. Hmm. So um, most people in the military, not all, but most, um, you know, are, are pretty big sports followers because it's a way to keep you connected to your home. Um, and, you know, I think the uh, ownership of the club here, they have made it a priority to uh, ensure that they reach out to the military here. Um, and it's not just, you know, to make money. Uh, I can tell you honestly that um, there are numerous teams, obviously in numerous leagues all over the country, but, uh, as far as I know, uh, I and there's another position like mine with the Padres may be the only um, you know, military community liaison you know, that uh, for any uh, team you know, uh, in any sport. Sorry, I'm kind of stumbling over my words. No, no, a bit, yeah, but. I think that's I think that's awesome um, because yeah, like you said, I really don't see uh, that role a lot in the sports industry. Of course you know, all sports, do you think that this could become, you know, something in the near future where there is a position solely dedicated uh, because uh, to a military focus and things like that? 
Well, I certainly believe that there are some markets where it makes sense. Uh, San Diego is one of them, obviously. Um, if you look at a place like, um, say, uh, gee, Seattle, um, you know, there are major Navy bases and a major Army uh, and Air Force base close to Seattle. So it might make sense in, in a town like Seattle also to, to have a dedicated position like this. Uh, Washington, D.C., for, for sure. Uh, the, the number of military around there is um, staggeringly high. Um, yeah, so in uh, places like Norfolk, Virginia, where uh, they don't have any major league teams, but they do have a couple of uh, they have mm -hmm. minor league hockey and minor league baseball team. Um, you know, places like Norfolk or Jacksonville, Florida, you know, those are places that would definitely um, benefit from having uh, somebody who, who whose expertise is is dealing with the military. Um, and I think that league offices, too, um, as you go into the future, might want to consider having a dedicated military person because you can, um, you know, you can certainly uh, have unintended consequences when you try to reach out to the military if you're not familiar with military <laughs> culture. Um, and it's, yeah, I, I don't mean to say that we're apart from society, but we certainly have our own idiosyncrasies and, you know, things like uh, calling a Marine a soldier, you know, for instance, that's something that, um, would instantly turn that Marine off to your product. So, you, you know, just the kinds of things with military culture like that, that maybe you wouldn't know if you weren't part of the military are, are things that uh, some sports teams should, uh, yeah, they, they might want to consider that. Yeah. I will say um, that I've actually been reached out to by two, uh, one NHL team and one uh, NBA team in the last week to discuss uh, military uh, outreach uh, in their markets. Wow, that's awesome. That That's incredible. Yeah, I think um, it's something that teams and leagues are definitely uh, could definitely consider. It's just a, a different arm. And, and like you said, having that expertise and background. Uh, talk about the importance of your background and, you know, what being in the military, uh, you know, means to you. Okay, so um, – my stepfather was in the Navy. Uh, he was a career uh, enlisted man. He was a corpsman, which is um, the, the Navy version of a medic. And he uh, served on submarines. And um, you know, when he married my mother, uh, we lived uh, all up and down the East Coast on various submarine bases everywhere from, um, and places where Navy hospitals are, from everywhere from Jacksonville, Florida to Kittery, Maine. Um, and it was a great way to grow up. And as I... Growing up in that environment, I was, I, I actually didn't know what you, what people who weren't in the military did. <laughs> you know, I just, there was never a question in my mind that I was going to go in the military also. Um, so uh, I, after high school, I went to college, uh, was on a Navy ROTC scholarship and uh, got my commission. And um so the summer before I graduated is when Top Gun came out and I had always wanted to be a pilot, but that, that movie certainly cemented my, uh, my desire to be a, an aviator. So uh, my senior year, I put in a package to uh, go to flight school and I was accepted. And so then I became a Navy helicopter pilot. And uh, most of my careers I've mentioned before was on the East coast. I've lived in uh, most of my time flying was in Jacksonville, but I have also been stationed in Norfolk and, uh, and Washington, D.C. for a while. <coughs> um, 
and then I also was uh, stationed in or got to do an exchange tour in Australia, which was a fantastic tour. But so I came out here um, when I uh, was selected to command a helicopter squadron. And um, from there, I was actually fortunate enough to uh, command a Navy base um, out in El Centro, California. And it's a uh, air base and it's a uh, training base where uh, various squadrons get to uh, you know, go while they prepare for deployments and um, you know, use the ranges out there for weapons and things like that. Yeah, so it was actually a fun job. But uh, where that ties in is, um, so I was, as a base commander, uh, I was tied in with the regional headquarters here in San Diego, uh, which is Navy Region Southwest. Um, through being a base commander, I became very familiar with all of the services that are offered, uh, you know, um, things like morale, welfare and recreation, um, you know, all the things like that that are offered to uh, uh, both the active duty military and their families. Um, when you're a sports team and you want to, to work with the military to do things uh, with the, the military members and their families, um, those are the organizations that you're going to work through in order to reach your target audience. And because I had familiarity with not only dealing with them on my base, but also uh, through the regional structure, which touches all of the bases in California, um, I, I, I'm really familiar with, with who you have, not just what organizations, mm -hmm. but also what people you have to reach out for to, to get certain things done. And so it just kind of was a natural fit for the team uh, because of my previous experience and their desire to reach out to the military that uh, I was kind of in the right place at the right time to, um, to help them start reaching the audiences they wanted to reach. That's awesome. And with your experience in the Navy, you know, what was the most, what was the most rewarding part of that? And what was the most challenging part? Okay, so um, the, the rewarding part, without a doubt, was um, when I was the executive officer of a squadron, which is the second in command, uh, we were on the USS Abraham Lincoln, and we were in port in Hong Kong uh, during Christmas. And um, as we were getting underway on the day after Christmas, that was the day that the tsunami uh, struck, um, the Indian Ocean tsunami struck Indonesia, and of course, Thailand and, and um, uh, Sri Lanka also. Oh, wow. um, we were, because we were there on station, uh, we immediately um, you know, started heading right towards Indonesia. And uh, I was actually pulled off the ship for a few days to go to Thailand to start setting up the um, joint task force headquarters that was going to oversee the, the relief effort. So I was uh, off the, the ship for eh, several days uh, helping set up the headquarters. And uh, then I was taken back to the ship and was allowed to, to fly actual relief missions. Um, the, the amount, so we were flying in helicopters 10 hours a day. Um, we were basically from the time the, um, sun came up till the sun went down and actually before the sun came up and after the sun went down, you know, we were flying and, um, the, you know, we would do nothing but load up the helicopter with, uh, you know, medical supplies or food or something. 
and then they would give us uh, various villages to go find and uh, you know go and make these uh, drop offs of relief supplies. And then while we were there, we would pick up people who were injured or needed medical attention and then bring them back to uh, a medical station in uh, a city called Banda Aceh. Um, we were there for about a month uh, doing that and we were flying every day and we were just, it was tiring, but yet exhilarating at the same time because we were really making a difference in, in saving people's lives. And I guess uh, I um, read an estimate later on that uh, due to, to our actions, our squadron helped to save uh, over 10,000 lives. Wow. That's um, awesome. And that's well, it, it, it was rewarding. It, it was, you look back on that and um, there is just nothing that you can ever do. I think that would um, make that positive an effect on that many lives. So that was, um, yeah, no question. That was the most rewarding thing I did in the military. Um, challenging. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Um, so I was stationed in the Pentagon uh, for a while. Like I said, I was on the Joint Staff, which works for the um, um, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs mm -hmm. of Staff. And uh, let's just say that I always um, was much happier when I was in an operational uh, squadron flying rather than being on a staff. Mm -hmm. And so it was certainly challenging uh, just getting out of bed <laughs> some mornings. Um, you know, when I worked at the Pentagon. Um, but that being said, uh, I guess some of the, the challenging things that you faced along the way were um, adapting your leadership style towards the situation you were in and the people that you were with. Um, not everybody responds to the same leadership um, styles. And, you know, so as a leader, you are, um, you can make two decisions. You can decide to uh, not change and, you know, just browbeat everybody to, to go along with you, or you can try to figure out how you reach certain people. And so that constant changing of, or that, that constant dynamic of um, how do I reach the most people um, in the most effective way. You know, that was, that was always a challenge. But that being said, it was a fun challenge. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can imagine like, as far as like flying and everything like that, what was that feeling like? And, you know, going through the training and, and all that, you know, what was that experience like from that first time, you know, you were able to fly to, to the training and everything. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, when I showed up at flight school, um, let's just say that you could tell the difference between people who may have had a little bit of civilian time and people like me who did not. I was, uh, I, my first couple of flights, uh, I, I went through uh, what they call primary flight school, their first training squadron in uh, Corpus Christi, Texas. And uh, my first couple of flights were, um, I, I, my hats off to the instructors for uh, allowing me to continue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I, but I caught on. Uh, I, did, I did well. Um, I, and I ended up doing you know, really well. But those, those first few flights were, uh, uh, yeah, they were, they were, they were kind of hard. <laughs> but, um, so when you finish um, flight school, they, uh, there's a selection process. And you, 
they'll have openings in various squadrons with different types of helicopters. And you um, fill out a sheet of paper that says, I would like to go to this squadron, this squadron, this squadron, and you get 10 choices. <laughs> and uh, they give you, obviously, the, the one that they want to give you. And when you do that, you go, uh, when you get selected, you then go to a, another training squadron where you learn how to fly the particular kind of aircraft you'll fly in the mm. fleet. Um, I was, uh, you know, so going through that process and then going to my first squadron and doing all the things you have to do to qualify to be an aircraft commander. Um, yeah, there were times when, uh, you know, especially when I was, um, the aircraft commander syllabus in my first uh, fleet squadron that were, were challenging and it was very frustrating. You know, there were times when I just didn't feel like I was going to get it. And then uh, I, I did, I um, you know, made it through and um, became an aircraft commander, which was, yeah, it's the, the, the big thing you <laughs> want to do in your, your first tour. And after that, um, you know, it, it's funny, you start to, you transition from constantly being a student to now people are expecting you to teach uh, you know, new guys coming in. And that's when you actually learn how to fly. It's not when you're learning so much as when you're teaching. Um, well, because you can't, um, you know, that's when the things that you don't know get exposed. When somebody asks you a question, um, you can't give them an incorrect answer. And so, uh, you know, there were times when I got asked questions by by people I was working um, instructing, and they would I I didn't know the answer. I'd have to go back and I'd have to search and find the answer, and um, you know, and that's what made me a better pilot. And I actually went on from there to be an instructor pilot. Um, you know, where my job was actually to train uh, new guys. And uh, I will say that when I left that instructor tour, I was as good a pilot as I think I. Yeah, you know, I could ever be. Um, the I, I will tell you, you, know, you talk about what some of the fun things are. So one of the missions of the squadrons I was in, um, we we did special operations support, and so the training flight for that, um, there was there were a lot of night flights wearing night vision oh, wow. goggles, flying through the mountains. Yeah, and I got to tell you that that is a blast. I loved those flights. Um, I. To me, there was nothing better than, um, you know, going to a brief and, you know, talking about the mission and looking at the route you're going to fly and then going and picking up your, your night vision goggles and, uh, you know, starting up the helicopter and then, you know, flying. Because, um, as you can imagine, uh, we would fly pretty low uh, to stay uh, under any simulated radars that we were, um, you know, going against. And so... It was just uh, that was a blast. I mean, that was a blast. I missed that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and talk about the transition. Obviously, I would imagine um, it's it's a challenge, and there's a there's a path to military leadership. When, like, for you to be in that position, how, like, when did you know that you were going? You were on the right path to to being able to be that instructor and and to be on the right path for that military leadership well you know it um it kind of happens uh gradually um you know you get to your first squadron you you try really hard to fit in and to to attain all the qualifications that you're supposed to attain and in the meantime you also are given a ground job um you know job uh 
a leadership job where you actually have sailors that you're supposed to to lead and you know make sure that um, you know they're doing the the uh, things that they've been assigned to do. And um, so it's it's like drinking from a fire hose at first. <laughs> yeah, you just don't know if you're going. Well, it it really is, and you just don't know if you're going to make it. Um, there's uh, the senior leaders, the senior enlisted leaders, the chief petty officers. Um, they are absolutely invaluable in taking young officers and turning them into leaders. And I was fortunate that um, I had a senior chief petty officer who. Um, you know, took me under his wing and uh, actually told me one time that um, that I was about as screwed up a junior officer as he'd ever worked with, but that he was going to fix me. <laughs> and and he did. <laughs> um, and you can it's kind of funny because I went from at least in my opinion, as I was my first squadron, uh, from being somebody who um, was always sort of uh, on the edge of making it, but not quite there. Uh, and then over the course of a couple months with the senior chief uh, petty officer taking me under his wing, I went from that to sort of being the go-to guy. And, um, you know, I say that, I, it sounds kind of arrogant. I'm not trying to, you know, say I was all that great, but I just had a great instructor mm-hmm. in leadership who um, taught me the right way to, to do things. And when you do things the right way, people take notice and, so, like I said, there was that sort of transition over a couple months where I went from being, I don't know if I'm going to make it, to, to being the guy that they would um, call on to, to do things. You know? And um, so that's when you kind of know that, yeah, maybe I have a future in this. Um, I did really well in my first squadron and was given a great assignment um, for my second, my follow-on tour. Um, and I did really well there. And, you know, it's just... One of those things that as you go to each, you know, each time you um, leave one command and go to another command, um, as as you're leaving, you know, you know, whether you've done or that they think you've done a good job or not by the choices you're given for your next command. And um, so I kept getting good jobs and going to good commands. <laughs> and um, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And if it wasn't out. for that person taking you taking you know you under his wing do you think you would have had that success um you know how important how instrumental was that um obviously you know you had the success um after that but how instrumental was that person being able to you know shape yourself into that leader um it was it was incredibly important um when i you know, would I have made it without him or without his, um, you know, sort of taking me under his wing? Yeah, possibly. Um, you know, obviously the, the raw material was there, but um, I, so I don't know that I wouldn't have made it uh, without him, but I do know that because of the time he took and, and the time he invested in me, that uh, I certainly <laughs> kind of started breaking out of the pack earlier than than other people um because you know because he made sure that i just did things the right way and it's kind of funny because you know nominally he actually reported to me i i yeah i was nominally his boss but um if you've ever been in the military you know that the relationship between the senior enlisted and the junior officers is such that while the officer is supposed to be in charge 
Um, the officer, um, he ignores the senior enlisted, um, the, the knowledge that the senior enlisted have uh, at his or her <laughs> own peril. You know, you can, you, know, you can walk into a place and say, hey, I'm the, you know, I'm the lieutenant, I'm in charge, I don't care what you say, and we're going to do it my way. And I can tell you that almost invariably those officers don't make it, they fail. But the officers that come in and say, hey, yeah, I know I'm in charge, but uh, I would really appreciate you teaching me everything you know. Um, yeah, those officers are the ones that tend to do well. Um, and you also learn uh, as you go through that, that, um, that you're not the sole <laughs> owner of good ideas, that good ideas come from everywhere and that you should really keep your ear to the ground and pay attention to, to what other people have to say because uh, yeah, I, so many times I can tell you that listening to uh, other people kept me from making really <laughs> yeah, stupid Yeah, I decisions. love that. You always got to have a voice for reason, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, there's, and I can tell you that, especially as I got to be more senior, um, yeah, a lot of the chief petty officers would say, okay, <laughs> sir, you can do that. But, yeah, and um, like I said, if you don't take their advice, um, you know, you really, um, you're, you're putting yourself at risk a lot of times because these guys have a lot of knowledge. Uh, they, they, they really do. They've been there. They've done that. They've got experience. And, yeah, I, I can't say that um, as I got older and more senior that I listened to them all the time <laughs> because, you know, I, at that point I had my own experiences too, but, um, but certainly as a junior officer, if you fail to heed advice that's given to you by senior enlisted uh, people, you, um, you're, you're putting yourself yeah, at risk. Yeah, <laughs> you really awesome. are. I, um, yeah. So obviously um, with the sports and the environment right now, what are some projects um, that you're currently working on with the, um, with the loyal and, and how has been you know, the impact of COVID um, how has that impacted, you know, the, the projects and things like that with, you know, the current environment? Okay. Well, um, like with every other sports team, um, you know, we have been severely impacted by COVID. We've been lucky in that uh, our ownership has not laid anybody off uh, from the front office. Um, as, as I'm sure you're aware, that is absolutely <laughs> not the case uh, through most of the sports world. And that from the major leagues all the way to you know the you know the the entry level minor leagues you know where uh, front offices have been decimated, uh, ours is not. So um, so that's been a good thing. That being said, our cash flow has been severely impacted, uh, as you can imagine, because we're not um, we're not playing in front of fans right now. Uh, the, you know, USL is um, we do have TV contracts, but we don't have. Uh, the same TV revenue that, say, Major League Soccer would have. Um, so while there is some revenue coming in from TV, it's uh, you know it's it's not at the level that um, that other leagues may have. So that limits the things you can do. Um, and when you combine that with the fact that the corporate partners that we have, uh, they're, yeah, they're having financial issues also, and so the level of support that they can um, that they had promised, but then that they could give uh, after COVID hit, you know, that's affected them also. So some of the things that we would like to do, 
we find that we, you know, we just want the resources to do them now. So that doesn't mean we've forgotten them. Um, and we will certainly uh, do these things uh, in subsequent years. But, um, but yeah, we're, we're having trouble doing some things now. But that being said, there's a whole range of things that, that we are able to do out in the community and, um, and in particular the military community for me. Um, so we have a program called Hero of the Match. Uh, when we play in front of fans, uh, we pick a, uh, an active duty service member. Uh, we invite them and a guest to uh, come to the game uh, for free. We have them on the field for the um, um, playing of the national anthem and the presentation of the colors. Uh, we introduce them to the crowd. We give them you know, some swag, and then we uh, let them enjoy the game. We're not playing in front of fans now, so we can't do that anymore. So we've transitioned to a, um, uh, a virtual hero of the match. So for each of our home games uh, that we're playing now, we still select a hero of the match, and uh, we still give them swag. But what we do is I um, or one of the you know, front office people will go and deliver the swag to the to the service member. We'll take pictures, and then we'll post them on, on our website and um, – and on social media. So it's uh, <laughs> not quite as cool as if you could go to the game, but, but we're still recognizing awesome. their, their efforts. That's awesome. Um, well, it, well, it, it is. Um, and I, I will tell you, I think that's actually what's, um, you know, that kind of interaction is what's caused the, uh, you know, some of the other teams I mentioned earlier to uh, want to call us and, you know, see what it is we're doing. Um there are a lot of veteran service organizations and um, and active duty service organizations mm -hmm. like the USO and uh, the Armed Services YMCA. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, we try to volunteer um, with those kinds of organizations. Um, COVID has hit everybody, as you can say, you know, as I'm sure you know. And so there's a big need for food drives, for instance. So we have... Um, with the Armed Services YMCA of San Diego, we've actually uh, um, worked or volunteered at one of their food distributions. And uh, we also volunteered and provided supplies for uh, a school supply distribution. Um, uh, that was actually a couple weeks ago as uh, school's getting ready to start. There's an organization here in town called the Veterans Association of North County. Um, it's up in the, the northern <laughs> part of the county, hence North County. Um, We've we've uh, worked two food drives for them uh, where we provided volunteers, and uh, for one of them, we actually uh, provided uh, uh, geez, it was something like uh, three hundred and fifty uh, jars of peanut butter you know, to to go with that. Um, we uh, we are constantly on the lookout for you know, things like that 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 we can do. One of the things that we're working on right now, uh, and it'll come to fruition here in the next couple of weeks, is uh, I'm sure you probably remember from the news uh, about three or four weeks ago, there was a ship fire here in San Diego mm. on the USS Bonham Richard. And, uh, you know, it took four days uh, to, to get the fire out. And they uh, had um, sailors from, you know, numerous ships that uh, participated in the firefighting effort, as well as uh, there's a federal fire department uh, on military bases uh, with civilian firefighters that was there. And we actually had uh, um, municipal firefighters from uh, some of the towns here uh, in San Diego, in San Diego and the other surrounding towns. And so we're um, on our last home game. We're kind of rolling that into our hero of the match. And we're 
going to present uh, jerseys to um, a couple of uh, representatives, one Navy, one uh, federal fire firefighter. Um, and uh, we were working with uh, one of the local fire department agencies to you know, honor one of their firemen too. We're going to give them a jersey and um, we're going to you know, put them on our uh, website also. And again, unfortunately, we can't invite them to a game since we don't have people. But um, but you know, we we really think it's important to um, still recognize the the service and sacrifice that they give on every. That's on awesome. Daily yeah, basis. I love that. And and talk about the selection process. Um, I would imagine you mentioned that you know you're working collaborating with different entities. Um, but how does that selection process um, you know begin and and work as far as choosing, you know, the hero of the match and everything like that. Okay. So for this first year, um, I'm working through uh, various commands here in San Diego, both uh, Navy and Marine Corps. Um, the, the Navy and Marine Corps presence here is, <laughs> is huge as you can imagine. Uh, so what I've done is I've worked through uh, public affairs, um, uh, entities um, with the various Navy and Marine Corps commands to help identify active duty service members. Um, some of our service members have uh, come from, I've worked with uh, the U.S. Uh, Surface Forces, um, or I'm sorry, Surface Forces U.S. Pacific Fleet uh, to identify the firefighters, for instance. I've worked with um, Helicopter Sea Combat Wing uh, U.S. Pacific Fleet uh, to identify uh, one of the, uh, you know, sailor from one of the squadrons. Um, I've actually worked with the Coast Guard. Uh, they have a fairly um, decent sized um, presence here to uh, identify a Coast Guardsman. Um, I've gone to Marine Corps Recruit Depot, uh, which is the boot camp here in San Diego, to, um, you know, to get a Marine. And I've also um, was able to work, and this is nice, um, our the only game that we had fans at was our home opener. And I was able to uh, work with, the Marine Corps um, Wounded Warrior Barracks uh, up at Camp Pendleton, where the um, you know, the majority of Marines are stationed here in San Diego. And we were able to honor um, a gunnery sergeant who uh, is uh, currently rehabbing uh, within the, the Wounded Warrior Barracks uh, there. So that was actually really nice. Um, you know, we were able to get somebody who uh, was a big soccer fan and um, who, uh, you know, like I said, he was at the Wounded Warrior Barracks, so he was uh, recuperating from an injury he had sustained. And it was just, um, you know, that, that, was, that was a good feeling. I wish we could have had more actual games with fans where we could have uh, you know, done that Yeah, more yeah, often. I mean, that's awesome. I think, you know, having that military presence, that military focus um, is huge and, and working with a variety of different entities um, to show that is, is awesome. I know. Um, you know, a lot of teams and on the East Coast, particularly, I'm right between Baltimore and D.C. I know our teams uh, do a good job of promoting that as well. So talk about, you know, for those who are either looking to get into, you know, a mil the military itself or, you know, trying to, uh, you know, make, you know, seek out opportunities for a military focus within the sports industry. Uh, what advice would you give those individuals? Okay, so uh, for getting into the military, um, know what you want to do. Um, don't, you know, if you go to a recruiter, uh, for instance, you know, one of the military recruiting offices, um, 
if you don't know what you want to do, uh, they'll put you in the job that they they need you to do. Um, and that's not always a bad thing. You know, for a lot of people, they really don't know what they want to do and, you know, they're willing to try anything. So um, that's that's perfectly okay. But if you have an idea of what you want to do, go to a recruiter and say, this is what I want to do. Um, and don't take no for an answer. Uh, they may not be able to sign you up right away because they may not have quotas for that particular job yet. But, um, you know, but stay with it. Um, you know, stick to your guns. Uh, don't let them, you know, try to steer you into what they need. If you have a clear idea of what it is you want to do, just say, thank you very much. I'll come back and check with you later. Um, so, uh, and then of course, if you want to be an officer, um, that requires going to college. And, uh, I would recommend if you are in high school and it's something that you want to do, um, certainly talk to your guidance counselors on, uh, how to, uh, access, uh, ROTC scholarships or, or, um, you know, seeking mission into uh, the military academies like West Point and Annapolis. So if you are uh, already a college graduate and you'd like to be an officer, there are um, certainly programs you can go to uh, there that would lead to a commission uh, where you can go to officer candidate school. Just make sure that when you go to a recruiter that you go to an officer recruiter um, because, again, if you go to a regular recruiter, they might try to shoehorn you into a job they have um, so make sure that you're talking to an officer recruiter and, and uh, not a regular recruiter. Um, yeah, that's uh, that would be my, my advice to going in. Now, how do you transition to the sports world? Um, so I was a unique case. Yeah, I, um, I retired from the Navy. I live in a town that is, uh, you know, it's, it's a huge military town. Everyone here uh, understands the importance of the, military to the local economy and, and how big of a, an establishment the military is. Um, so my path into sports might be a little different than, than most. Um, but what I would recommend, and this is true of you know, anybody in any industry. Um, first of all, learn about the industry that you want to be in. Um, you, know, you can't just walk into an office and say, Hey, I'd like to work for the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Eagles say, "Well, gee, where have you been all our lives? Come on in." Uh, you have to, well, you, know, you have to understand the business. You have to understand what experiences they're looking for. You have to understand what kind of knowledge base they want you to have. Uh, and it's incumbent upon you to prepare yourself before you even approach them to, um, you know, under, make sure that you have those kinds of qualifications. I mean, let's face it, even the entry-level jobs uh, will have some kind of experience that they want you to have. Um, even if you're going to be a groundskeeper in a stadium, um, you know, there, there may be a few jobs <laughs> where you can you know, walk in and do it right off the stage, but most of them probably help you to have some landscaping experience yeah, exactly. you know, before you go in. So, um, and, and I'm sure you know that uh, in the sports world, um, you know, people want to work for, for sports teams and uh, people are willing to um, take lower level jobs and they may actually be qualified in order to be in that environment. So, um, so again, if you want to be in this environment, you, you have to do your homework first. That is, that is the first thing. Um, if you want to look at sort of military um, community outreach and, and how you can do that, um, 
I, so my experience uh, as a base commander is what made mm -hmm. me valuable to the um, to San Diego Oil in, in establishing their um, their program. Um, obviously, that's not something that um, everybody will get the opportunity to do. So, so if that's the case, then you need to look at other ways. If you want to do military community outreach, maybe you should you could volunteer at the Armed Services YMCA or with the USO or with uh, veteran service organization so that you get a feel for what the military community needs and you know what they're like. Um, you get an idea of military culture. Um, maybe you can go work. Uh, yeah, there are all kinds of civilian jobs on military bases um, that do everything from, you know, the, the people who, um, uh, gee, I don't know, like, you know, run the uh, intramural leagues on every base to, um, you know, people who, um, you know, pour concrete to, on sidewalks. I mean, there's just this huge range of things that uh, civilians can do on military bases. So if you're interested in sports, there are jobs on uh, military bases where you can go in, you can get your um, sort of initial um, experience, uh, get an idea of military culture, and then um, – and then look to, to work uh, you know, with the sports team. Um, like I said uh, in the beginning of our um, discussion, military culture is uh, unique and it's really easy to make a mistake that can um, turn somebody off to your product if you don't understand military culture. And of course, the, the, the example I used was if you call a Marine a soldier, you've, you've lost them. You know, because he's not a soldier, he's a Marine. Um, same, uh, by the same token, if you call a uh, soldier a Marine, you've mm -hmm. lost him because he's not a Marine, he's in the Army. Yeah, I mean, and those are things that seem kind of trivial, but, but they matter to the service member. And, you know, when you're trying to market to military members, um, you know, it's not, it's about tailoring your marketing uh, to to yeah, in a way that will be accepted by them. So yeah, I, yeah. I guess, does that make sense? Totally yeah, it's, uh, and and um, just going off that, like for for those who are interested, um, you know, in military, how, if if they, if I was a team and building, you know, a role for military, how would I, you know, balance it between people who do have that military experience versus those who uh, might not be um, well-rounded. Obviously, you mentioned doing volunteer opportunities, um, but how would you, if if this was to be like in the near future, you know, and so something that could create, you know, a staff around, you know, how would you balance it versus having the people who do have that background and those who are, are really interested in making that impact um, for the military on a team level? Well, you know, it really depends on what the team is trying to accomplish and, and what the military saturation in their market is. Um, so if you're in a market like San Diego or Seattle or Washington, D.C., or you know, some of the, the places like that, um, you are going to have a, uh, a very large military population. And so you're going to want somebody who probably has quite a bit of experience um, you know, in, in the military. Um, you're going to want someone who, uh, you know, if you're in San Diego, you're going to want someone who is who is very familiar with either the Navy or the Marine Corps or both. Yeah, um, yeah. So, 
yeah, in a market like that, you're probably going to want somebody who's a little bit more senior yeah, in the military, who did a career, uh, who had some senior positions and has connections in the military establishment. If you're a team, um, I don't know, it's like you're in Portland and you know there, there's really not a big military establishment there. Um, there in Portland, you're going to find that you have more uh, veterans and retirees there. So the way you market to them is going to be a little bit different. Um, and there you're going, you might not need someone who you know, had a career in the military like I did, but rather someone who did, um, someone who's a veteran who did, you know, some time in the military and then maybe worked, you know, for the VA or maybe worked um, for uh, the Armed Services YMCA or something like that. Um, because, you know, you probably won't have as extensive a military community outreach program there because you just don't have the numbers to justify it. But you will want someone who can you know, sort of speak military and know what uh, veterans, for instance, you know, might want. So it's not a one size all uh, fits all approach. It's um, you've got to look at your market and kind of do what exactly. makes sense that, in that, that market. totally makes sense. And I love that. And as far as the loyal um, and, and what you see, you know, your role evolving, you know, where do you see it going and really, you know, evolving in the near future? Um, I, 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 so I was told or I was asked uh, in a survey that we did amongst ourselves on the, in the front office <laughs> uh, where I see myself in five years. And in five years, what I put down was I want to run uh, the premier military community outreach program in all of professional <laughs> sports. That's where I'm heading. Uh, to do that, though, um, you know, we have to have corporate uh, partners. Um, there, you know, there's a certain level of resources that um, uh, you know are required to have a quality program in any sense, whether it's uh, uh, you know a military community outreach program, whether it's I mean, you name it, and um, you know, the more resources you have available, the better you can make the program. But once we start having resources, um, you know, a, a more an increased corporate uh, partnership, um, you know, there are things I'd like to do, like, um, oh, geez, uh, you know, we've talked about um, having, uh, like, the local recruiting districts, uh, when they um, have a, a certain amount of recruits, you know, maybe bring them out to a game um, and have them do their swearing-in ceremony oh, wow. on the field before a game. Uh, and, and, yeah, I think that'd be kind of cool. You know, have you know, all these uh, young kids in their civilian clothes, you know, raise their right hand to, um, you know, say that they're going to uphold and defend the Constitution and, you know, then get a game in. And uh, then, you know, maybe after that, uh, a couple of days after that, they head off to boot camp. Um, we actually do have a boot camp here, and the Padres do a good job of um, uh, every Sunday is uh, Military Appreciation Day with the Padres, and they actually, um, when they're playing in front of fans, they have one of the Marine recruit companies from the boot camp uh, come over, and um, yeah, they get to, to watch a baseball game on a Sunday before they go back uh, to the barracks and get yelled at by their uh, drill instructors. We don't want to necessarily copy exactly what the Padres are doing, but you know something similar would be something we'd be uh, interested in looking at. Um, I want to look at things like a deployment gift package, where uh, you know a sailor or a marine who's uh, on deployment, and missing home, 
um, can go on our website, fill out a, uh, a request, and we'll send them you know, just like a small care package with uh, you know some some small San Diego loyal items that uh, you know won't be so cumbersome that he can't uh, have them where he happens to be deployed. Yeah, you know, but something that will give him a little piece of home. Um, you know, th- th- things like that that we'd like to do just to let the military um, members That's know awesome. that we appreciate I love that. them. I love those ideas, and it's something you know to really, you know, step back and, and to have all that, you know, in the near future would be awesome. Uh, so talk about the culture. You know, obviously you mentioned earlier that, you know, the team hasn't laid off any front office people. If you had to describe the San Diego loyal uh, culture in one word, what would that be and why? <laughs> um, I would actually say committed. And um, because that covers a whole range of things, they are absolutely committed to um, fielding a successful team. They are absolutely committed to the employees who, who work for them and the, and the players that uh, um, that they pull, uh, that you know play on the team. They are absolutely committed to the community that they belong to. Um, as you can imagine, San Diego is a very diverse community, and we've talked about the military community here. But um, you know, we're we're a border city. Um, we have a, a heavy immigrant population. Um, there's a big tech uh, you know sector here uh, and a big college sector here. So we have you know all kinds of people who are here associated with that, and and our team is committed to. Um, reaching out to to all of the communities and letting them know that um, that we want to be their team and that we want uh, to know that we want them to know that we recognize them and recognize their value. Um, we're committed to success, uh, you know, across the board, whether it be on the field or uh, I, I can remember a meeting um, in the office that we went to before before COVID shut the office down. And, um, you know, our uh, president and CEO, Warren Smith, is uh, absolutely committed um, to us being the best organization in sports. <laughs> um, we may be small, you know, uh, at, at the moment, but, but we are committed to um, being absolutely first class in everything we do, whether it be the way we um, sell tickets, the way we approach, uh, you know, people to be, um, you know, season ticket holders, uh, the way we approach our community relations, um, the way we approach our corporate partnerships. We want to make sure that our corporate partners, um, understand that, that we are committed to their success. Also, we don't, we don't want to just say, you know, Hey, give us some money and we'll put your name on a board on, you know, on the field. Um, you know, we want to be, we want to partner with them and, um, and be part of their success also. Um, so I, I can honestly say that uh, I'm very fortunate in that uh, one of the things that people talk about when they leave the military, when they retire, is that the organizations that they find themselves working for don't have a, um, you know, they, they lack camaraderie mm-hmm. and they lack a sense of mission. Um, but I can tell you that uh, having a sense of mission is not something that we lack at Loyal, um, and it comes from uh, from the top. But I but I can tell you, everybody in the organization feels that same sense of mission to to yeah, be I mean, the that's best. Yeah, that's awesome. That, that's really you know, it's hard. Not all organizations 
are alike, uh, but it definitely comes through. Um, it's definitely come through through our conversation. And I had Stephanie on uh, earlier, and it was great to have her on as well. <laughs> By the way, I will, uh, I'm going to throw a pitch in for Stephanie. Um, she is absolutely <laughs> one of my favorite people in the organization. She is just awesome. Um, and I, I just I can't say enough good things about her because, as you can imagine, there's a lot of interplay between selling tickets and mm -hmm. uh, community outreach. You know, we we overlap a lot in things that we do. And she is one of the most amazing people to work with I've, I've ever worked with. I, I cannot awesome. say enough That's good things awesome. about yeah, her. Yeah, it, it's really great. Um, I'm glad she was able to join the pod. And as, as far as collaborating, you know, how has she helped you? On the, on the military side is, is various projects and making sure our service members are, are getting uh, different things as far as swag and such. Well, um, so the swag you know, kind of comes from, uh, we actually have, have <laughs> you know, taken some of their stuff, but uh, you know, this, uh, we actually belong to marketing um, in the community relations uh, area. So, so a lot of our swag comes from in-house, but so a lot of the things that I want to do involve mm -hmm. Uh, tickets. Um, when I uh, when I want to um, you know recognize a hero of the match, for instance, that comes with tickets, and so I go to her a lot um, to you know to make those kinds of arrangements. And she is always just uh, phenomenal. And the other thing is, so she um, uh, you know works uh, like group sales. And so she deals with a lot of companies and a lot of uh, charitable organizations that, um, uh, you know, want or, you know want an outing for uh, either their company or the you know the clients that they serve as their uh, charitable organization. And any time that she contacts um, a company or a um, you know some kind of organization that has any kind of military ties, um, it's you know within. You know, a few minutes of talking to them, she always brings me into the conversation to say, hey, I was talking to so-and-so. Um, they have this tie to the military. Uh, you might want to talk to them also. Um, you know, she's really good about uh, – because yeah, I'm sure you've been in organizations where everybody plays the <laughs> I have a secret game where, you know, like I – you know, information is power, and if I keep information for myself, um, that makes me powerful. Um yeah, that that just does not exist in our organization. And she, in particular, is someone who is always willing to share information. Yeah. Um. So yeah, That's just awesome. just a that. joy yeah, to work the, with. <laughs> you gotta you gotta be able to to work together, and uh, they always say teamwork makes the dream work, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and like I said, I'm sure you've been in organizations where people feel like their personal path to success is by you know looking good you know regardless of how they do that and um you know those those people a lot of times unfortunately are successful you know because uh they achieve results for their boss and um the boss doesn't see how they get those results i can say um that having been in the military organization for you know my whole adult life where you um, you literally depend on other people for your life. Um, you know, you, you, you reject that kind of thinking. Um, one of the things I was warned about as I retired was that you know, when you go into the civilian world, there would be many organizations where um, you know, people really do look out for number one. And I can't tell you how 
fortunate I feel to found a home with uh, San Diego Loyal where like I said, mm-hmm. that just, that's just not how they think. And uh, yeah, everybody yeah, is that. in it that's to help great. everybody yeah. else. And, and it definitely shows if, um, so if people want to reach out to you, you know, what's, what's the best way to do that? So my email is uh, Russ T R U S S T at sdloyal.com. So um always happy to hear from anybody. And if I can't help you, I'm always happy to pass you off to the person <laughs> oh, who I think uh, can help you. It was a you. pleasure. I'm glad that we were able to have this conversation. And um, yeah, it was, it was great to have, uh, you know, talk about the military and uh, what you guys are looking to do in the near future. Well, hey, thank you for uh, having me. I uh, can't tell you how much I appreciate it. I feel like I may have, um, um, <laughs> you know, sort of hogged up the conversation <laughs> couple of times um you know i i think maybe i like to hear the the sound of my own voice occasionally but i appreciate you putting up with that um and yeah i thank you also for uh giving us uh, the opportunity to come out and tell our story not just the um the story of what we do for the military but also the story of the the, the club because um yeah i'm telling you we we as a club we love san diego and it is our goal to you know, to, to represent San Diego well. And uh, I appreciate you giving us the opportunity to. Yeah, to, for sure. To do that even uh, more. I appreciate you taking the time today and uh, yeah, keep the seat warm. I'll, uh, I'll have to uh, bring other individuals on, uh, uh, you know, if, whoever's interested. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll definitely uh, tell people that this is not a painful no, not experience. At all. So all right, Russ, we'll, I appreciate it. And um, yeah, if um, I would love to continue the conversation.